Well, good morning, my good friends. How are you? It's good to see you all here. If I didn't tell you recently, you all are my favorite service of the day, okay? I don't know if I've told you that lately, but just in case I haven't, I just wanted to make sure you knew that. We are in a series that we started about three weeks ago called The Lord Is, and we are... Now, making our way uh, slowly but, but surely through one of the most famous passages of Scripture in the Bible, and that's the 23rd Psalm. People who don't know much of the Bible know this part. People who haven't memorized much of the Bible have memorized this part because it's so beautiful, it's so endearing, and it's so many parts of our life, seasons of our life that, that you and I call upon and need and lean upon this beautiful passage of Scripture. So it's fun to be able to go through it and kind of dig into it a little bit and see just how God is our shepherd. We began by talking about how um, the Lord is my shepherd. When you see the word Lord uh, in capital letters in your Bible, it's the word transliterated Jehovah, which is the most common used name for God in the Bible, over 6,800 times in the Bible. And uh, it's an amazing word because it, it actually is the name for God that talks about the God who was and who is and who is to come. And so this powerful, almighty God is my personal shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Rohi, the, God, the one who is the, the most intimate term that's probably given to God. He's the one who cares for me and guides and feeds and protects and all of the things that I need as his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. The word want is a word that talks about how you and I really, there's, there's nothing we desire and there's actually nothing we need now that we stop and think about it because he is uh, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for me. When we move into this part of the uh, scripture now, uh, from here on out, everything we see about this shepherd is showing us just exactly what he provides for us today. And so as we look at this, we're in Psalm uh, chapter 2, and we are uh, chapter 23, verse 2 and verse 3a where David here goes on and he talks about how the Lord is my shepherd and he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment and I want you to picture yourself sitting in a green, beautiful, lush meadow. Somebody go... Mmm. Mmm. Feels good, doesn't it? Keep your eyes closed and I want you to picture you're sitting next to a just a, a just a beautiful body of water that's calm and still, quiet. Hear the birds. Somebody go, mmm. Feels good, doesn't it? Open your eyes for just a moment. If you had your choice, would you rather be here? Or would you rather be here? Oh, yeah. Or somebody go, hmm. <laughs> or would you rather be here? No way. Somebody say, no way. Can you imagine all those sweaty bodies and you're bumping up against all those sweaty bodies? Oh, my gosh, it's just nasty feeling when you stop and think about it. Or would you rather be here? Ah, oh, yes. How many of you here today would say, I could sure use some peace. How many of you here today would say, I could sure use a little bit of rest? How many of you here today would say, 
I could sure have to stand to have my soul renewed, restored. I think all of us are there from time to time. And so David comes along and, and, and he reminds us that, that he is Jehovah Shalom. He's the one who gives us peace. Write that in your notes. He's the Lord of peace. He's the one who relieves my stress. He's the one who removes the anxiety. He's the one who gives me hope and confidence and encouragement because everything about him is peace. Even Jesus, the good shepherd, this is what he said about himself when you go to the gospel of John. Chapter 14, he says, the peace I give you isn't fragile. Everybody say fragile. Circle that word. He, the peace that, that the good shepherd gives to you and me is not fragile. It's not the kind of peace that is easily broken, okay? It's not fragile. It's like the peace that the world gives, which is so unstable. So don't be, what is it, troubled? And don't be what? Afraid. There are people here today who are troubled, and there are people here today who are afraid. I know that. Now, What's the difference between the peace the world has to offer you and me and the peace that God offers to you and me? The, the difference is huge. They're 180 degrees different from one another. The peace that the world offers to you and me is based upon circumstances. In other words, if everything is going okay, then I'm okay. But if things aren't going well, then I'm not doing well, right? And, and so we lose our peace. How many of you discovered that that changes all the time? Circumstances change all the time. I mean, one day things can be great, and the next day the rug has been pulled out from under you. And, and so we can lose our peace if it's based upon what the world offers to you as peace, circumstances. On the other hand, the peace that God offers to us is a peace that's not based upon circumstances at all. In fact, it's based upon the character of God. Not circumstances, but the character of God. Now, we've already seen that God is a God who doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same tomorrow, always will be. And so my peace is based upon the character of God that does not change. This, this word shalom, this word peace is a relational word that tells us that we have to be right, okay? We have to be right first off with God. If you and I are going to have this kind of peace, we, we, we have to be right with God. That's where it starts. When you and I are not right with God, then everything begins to fall out of place. Everything becomes wacko, okay? Everything is out of alignment. And so first off, my relationship with God has to be right. And then my relationship with myself has to be right. My relationship with myself. And so if, you're, if there's an inner turmoil, if there's a misalignment of your values and, 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 uh, and what you believe to be true, but you're living out of alignment with that, there, and you don't, you're not in good relationship with yourself, then you're going to lack peace, okay? So with God, with self, and then with other people. I have to be right with other people. How many of you discovered that it's tough, it's hard to be right with other people? Yeah, because people are like sheep, okay? And we're, we're dumb, and we're stupid, and we're you know, stubborn, and, and all of these things that describe sheep, they're, they're cute and precious and cuddly, yes, but, but there's oftentimes relational strife. And so this word peace has to do with being right with other people. 
The fourth component is right with the created world. Now, when our relationship with any of these is out of order, we lack peace. In this short verse, in these three phrases I've given you today, David shows us three overarching ways that Jehovah Shalom is our peace, okay? I'm gonna spend most of my time on the first one, then we'll move pretty quickly through the rest of them. Here's the first one. The Lord gives me peace because he frees me from all of my concerns. He gives me peace because he frees me from all of my concerns. How many of you are concerned about something today? Okay, a lot of us in here are. Okay, I know my wife is sitting over there going, amen, amen, amen. She knows that, that right now, this season of my life, I'm, I'm dealing with some, some things that, 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 you know, I'm concerned. And, and so I have to continually come back to Jehovah Shalom, the one who frees me from this. David says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, sheep will graze from sun up to sun down, okay? And so when the evening comes, uh, they're still standing, okay? And it's not unusual after they have eaten all day long to stay standing. And so the shepherd will come along and he'll have to make the, the sheep to lie down in green pastures. Make them lie down. Has anybody ever had to make you lie down? Sure. I bet God said to make you, make you lie down from time to time. And so sheep have to do that. What's interesting about sheep is, as I've said, they're very timid animals. And in order for sheep to lie down, to feel comfortable lying down, then certain things have to be in order. They have to be free of certain kinds of things. One of the things they have to be free of is fear. They have to be free of fear. Now, again, sheep are very timid and they can be scared and frightened at the slightest of things. It could be a jackrabbit that runs behind the herd and, and scares one. One of them jumps up and takes off running. Well, guess what all the rest of them do? They jump up and it's like a stampede, okay? Because a jackrabbit or something came along and they're so afraid. So they have to be free of this fear. They have to be free of tension. They have to be free of tension. Now, chickens have a pecking order, right? Sheep have a budding order, okay? A budding order, B-U-T-T-I-N-G. Is that how you spell budding? Not B-U-D-D, but butting. A butting order, okay? And so like an old ewe lamb that, you know, you know is trying to protect her position and, and her prestige and her power and all this will butt the other sheep out of the way, okay? And, and will establish her order. And then the next in line will do the same thing. You know, they'll butt the other one out of the way, all right? And, and until it works its way down. And so there's this tension, that exists between them. And so it's hard for them to lay down and be still because they're like all this tension trying to butt their way into position. Sound like human beings, doesn't it? Free, freedom from irritations. That, they have to be free from irritations in order to be able to lie down. Now, they would be irritated by bugs or flies or gnats or something of that nature, especially in the summer. It drives them nuts. And so they have to be free from that. And then they have to be free from hunger. They have to be free from hunger. Green pastures didn't just happen. 
They didn't just stumble, oh, there's a green pasture. No, the shepherd had to work hard to provide a green pasture. And oftentimes they would have to go in and uh, remove rocks or remove stumps or remove uh, debris or, or brush and all that stuff irrigate, do all kinds of stuff to provide the green pasture in order for the sheep to lie down. Now, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you several questions. What are you afraid of today? What are you living in fear of today? What has you tense today? What has you all wound up inside? What irritates you right now? What's irritating you? What's, what's just constantly getting under your skin and you just kind of go off? What's irritating you? What are you hungry for? What are you, what are you thinking will satisfy the hunger in you, but you're discovering it's not? It just isn't. You see how much like sheep we are? And what David is saying, when you and I make the Lord our shepherd, then he takes care of everything that concerns us. And he mentions these four things, and, and there are many other things. For example, no longer do I have to live in fear. No longer do I have to live in fear. Now, I've told you that just by nature, my personality type can be leaning toward fear. And worry. So I, I understand this. I know what this person's, what David is talking about. And, and a lot of you do too, because we live in a fearful society today. Did you know that, that there are 365 fear knots in the Bible? 365. That's one for every day of the year. It's the most often repeated command in the Bible. Fear not. Don't be afraid. So most often, why do you think God put that in the Bible so many times? Because we tend to be fearful and we tend to be anxious. Uh, in Psalm 27, 1, I want you to read this verse with me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isn't that a great verse? But we live in a culture of fear today. I came across this recently. Do not ride in automobiles because they cause 20% of fatal accidents. Do not stay home because 17% of all accidents occur in the home. Do not walk on the streets or the sidewalks because 14% of all accidents happen to pedestrians. Do not travel by air or by rail or by water because 16% of all accidents happen on these. Only 0.001% of all deaths occur in church. And, and these are related to previous physical disorders. So therefore, the safest place for you to be at any time is in church. So go to church, turn to the person sitting next to you, and tell them, you're safe with me. You're safe with me, okay? Honestly, I've been in ministry since I was 19. So let's say 20, 30, 40, 50, 60s. I've been in ministry for 41 years. That's a long time. I have never, I have yet to have a person die in one of my services. Don't you feel safe right now? Isn't that great? Now, 
I've had two people pass out. One of them happened today. And, and, and I, I prayed for Michael over here. I went out and I don't know, some of you may didn't even notice it. We had a young man to pass out over here just a moment ago. Her security team was out and on it and helping. In fact, Pastor Mike, who came up here and prayed, he's out there calling 911 and getting the guy ready. And he runs back in here and welcomes you. Isn't that great? Give Mike a hand. Just give Mike a hand. And yeah, but so, so I, I don't mean to make light, but I just had to go out and ask. He didn't die, did he? Okay, because, and he didn't. He, he was up. But they're taking him to the doctor, and I'm praying for Michael. And would you pray for Michael that, that he'll just be okay? Now, I have had some people to go into a deep sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in fact, in fact, the worst was, was, uh, would have been sitting right about here where Dan's sitting. And this old person was sitting, this is probably a year ago, and this old person is literally is sitting on the pew. And it's like... Seriously, and, and this is like throughout the whole mess. This is even before I got up to teach, so I knew it wasn't me. And, and, and all through the greeting and everything, I'm, the whole time I'm preaching, I'm thinking, I wonder if they, they died. And, no, and nobody knows. But fortunately, they didn't. And, and so I watched them get up and walk out on their own two feet. And so nobody's died. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? I, I love the quote. And, and I, will, I use this quote almost every time I talk on the topic of fear. It's by Charles DeFocal. And he says, the one thing that we owe absolutely to God is that we don't fear anything. We fear nothing. We're afraid of nothing. What are you afraid of today? I have to ask myself this question. George, what is it you're afraid of today? Sometimes we, we, we fear death, and sometimes we fear the future, and, and we just fear everything with all the stuff going on in the world today. I, I love what Chuck Swindoll said. I am convinced that one of the best things God does for us is to keep us from knowing what will happen beyond today. A lot of us are afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. I wonder how much more afraid we'd be if we actually knew how much more fear we'd live in, if we actually knew what was going to happen? Here's the second thing. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to prove myself because many times people, like sheep, they want to butt their way through life, right? And establish this pecking order. I see it happen in marriages. I see it happen in families. I see it happen in businesses. I just see it happening in relationships that people live with insecurities and they're not secure in who they are in God. And, and so there's the need to prove themselves. And so they get loud and, and, and they start butting their way through life and trying to push people out of the way and all this stuff. And when all of that happens, what happens is what James says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. You see, if Jesus is your shepherd, then you don't really have to worry about what other people think about you. You, you really need to, many, in many cases, disregard what you think about you. And, and, and so what does God think about you? 
Well, there's many things. I, I mean, my goodness, God uh, created you uniquely. There's, I mean, as much as we kind of look alike, you know, two ears, two eyes, and all that stuff, you are uniquely created. He created you uniquely. He, he accepts you completely. In other words, you don't have to get your act together before he accepts you. He accepts you right now, just like you are. He loves you unconditionally. God will never say, you know what? I'll love you when, or I'll love you if, or I'll love you because. He, he never says that to us. God just says, I love you, period. He forgives us totally. I mean, all past sins, every sin I'm going to commit today, every sin I'm ever going to commit, he forgives me totally. He pursues you incessantly. He never gives up on you. He's always after you. He's always chasing you. That's what God thinks of you, and I could go on and on. But you see, when, when you and I get to the place where we're more concerned about what God thinks of us, and we come to realize what God thinks of us, then we don't have to get into this budding war and, and, and live in this tension and, and, and all of, of this stuff that, that goes on. Okay? Now, let's go on. I'm going to skip through some stuff. Here's number three. I don't have to be overcome by life's irritations. When Jesus is my shepherd, I really don't have to let life's little irritations, the bugs of life, the things that bug me, okay, bug me. I don't have to let them. What bugs you? What irritates you? She's always late. <laughs> He's always leaving a mess around the house. Traffic jams. The person in the cubicle next to you clips their fingernails and just irritates you to death. You know, what bugs you? What irritates you? Did you know that even as you make Jesus your good shepherd, that he takes care of that? You know what, you know what the shepherd would do? Whenever there would be flies and, and, and all that stuff bugging the sheep, they would have certain um, uh, oils or uh, what, do you, what do you call stuff you put on bugs? I mean, repellent. Repellent is the word I'm looking for. They, had, they kind of had like repellent and all that stuff. Did you know that your good shepherd provides a repellent for you? To help you with all that? You know what it is? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. Did you know the Holy Spirit in the Bible is referred to as, uh, oftentimes, as an oil? It's kind of, you know, uh, characterized in that way. And even Jesus, again, the good shepherd, he says to us in John 16, I'll tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And that's why Jesus had to go, so that the Holy Spirit came. And that's a whole other message in itself. But, but the Holy Spirit comes. He's our comforter. And he helps us deal with the little irritations of life. You know what I think? Sometimes I think that those little things that bug us, that, that we just get to a place and say, you know what, God, that, this is just, this irritates me, but I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to ask your Holy Spirit to help me to deal with this thing. It just kind of irritates me. It bugs me. And give it over to the Holy Spirit. Here's number four. I don't have to be worried about being hungry. I don't have to worry about being hungry. Now, most of you, uh, especially this time of day, when I say, what do you think about when you think about hungry? What, what do you think of? You think of food, right? Just, just, just food. 
But did you know that your greatest need is not physical food, but spiritual food? Your greatest hunger isn't uh, physical hunger, it's spiritual hunger. And, and yes, God will take care. He promises to take care of our physical needs, but he also takes care of our spiritual needs in a way that nothing else can possibly do. And, and so Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 35, and this is a day or so after the feeding of the 5,000, they come to him and say, oh, you know, take care of us, take care of us. This is what Jesus says. Listen, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry again. And those who believe in me will never thirst. And so do you want to be at peace? Do you never want to hunger again? I would suggest the Job diet. The Job diet. And it's in Job 23, verse 12. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. What I've been told is that if you want to, a part of being physically healthy is when you get up in the morning that you ought to eat within the first hour of getting up. Because it gets your metabolism going and, and it starts burning calories and all that stuff, you know. And I, I love breakfast. In fact, it's one of my favorite meals. Anybody here, is that like one of your favorite meals? I love breakfast. How many of you like breakfast for dinner? You know, I know. Me too. Me too. And, and I think that's great. But um, what would happen if you and I would say, you know, one of the most important things I can do when I get up? is to, to eat some of God's word, to feast upon some of his word, and, and to get my life centered and get me in focus with what's important. And my goodness, how would that change the tone of your day? And so the Lord gives me peace because he frees me from all of my concerns. Here's the, here's the second overarching way that, that Jehovah Shalom is our peace. Number two, the Lord gives me peace because he satisfies all of my longings. He satisfies all of my longings. So what are you longing for today? He satisfies all of my longings. David says, he leads me beside quiet waters. The word lead there means to lead gently, okay? Because shepherds, they didn't drive sheep. They, you remember they got out in front of the sheep and they would call them to come. And so he leads me gently because you, you can't drive them. Now, thirsty sheep, however can become unmanageable. And if a sheep is thirsty, then what it will do is along the way to where the shepherd's leading it, it could drink contaminated water or it could go off on its own and say, well, if he's not going to give me water, then I'm going to find it on my own. And so it'll go off and, and it'll drink water that's contaminated, which could obviously make it sick and possibly even kill it. And so the shepherd had to be finding this, this water for the sheep. Now, sheep won't go near rushing water because of all of their wool, and they can't swim. They won't go near rushing water that's moving. They won't go near it. We, we have some friends who live out on the Columbia River in one of those little houseboat things, and we went out and visited them about a week or two ago, and it was like an afternoon. It was a beautiful, sunny afternoon, and they invited us out on the deck, and, you know, I walk out and it's just like, oh, shoot, we're right here on the water and there's no railing. And immediately I backed up because I don't swim. 
okay? I don't have to worry about the wall, but it's the, the, the swimming part that bothers me. And so I took my chair, and I probably put it back as far as I could put it back because I didn't want to sit near the water because I didn't want to run the risk of falling in. And so sheep, what sheep will do is sometimes they think they know best, and so they'll take off and they'll go, you know, head out for water and, and, and all of that and, and get themselves in trouble. And, and so God tells us something in his word. I want you to listen to this and see if you don't think this sounds like today. This is like 2,500 years ago that God described this condition, and it sounds like today in Jeremiah 2. My people have done two things wrong. They have abandoned me, and they've abandoned me, the fountain of life-giving water, and they have also dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can't hold water. And that sounds like today. People are abandoning God, and they're digging their own wells, thinking that I can take care of myself better than he can because I know it satisfies me. And so they go running after stuff. What do they run after? A hundred different things. It could be money. It could be sex. It could be power. It could be you know, position. It could be stuff. And, and so we run after stuff that we think will satisfy us, and it doesn't. And so, again, Jesus comes to us in, in Matthew 5, the good shepherd. says, blessed are those, happy are those who hunger and they thirst after righteousness. What's that say? For they will be filled. They'll be filled. I love what Augustine said. Augustine said, O God, thou hast made us for thyself, and our souls are restless until they find their rest in thee. You will be, I will be restless until I find my rest in the Lord. And so the Lord gives me peace because he frees me from all of my concerns the Lord gives me peace because he satisfies all of my longings. And here's number three. The Lord gives me peace because he rescues me when my life is upside down. He gives me peace because he rescues me when my life is upside down. I'll bet a bunch of you in here know what it's like to live life with the sense of everything's upside down. Nothing's working right. You have failing health or you have lost a job or the income's not coming in, or the relationship's falling apart, and everything's going wrong, and life just feels upside down. Our good shepherd rescues us when that happens. David says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Circle the word soul. The word soul in the Bible is a word that expresses how we feel and also the expression of those feelings. That's the soul part of you. And it says here that he restores that. The word restore means to bring it back to life. He, he brings it back to life. In the Hebrew, it literally means he brings back my soul. I'll bet you there are people in here today who would love to have more vitality in life. You'd love to have more energy in life. I don't, I don't necessarily mean physical energy, but I mean that, that energy of spirit and heart and mind and soul and, and, and all that, that joy to be restored to life. Because what happens is when we move away from God, then we begin to lose all of that. And so David, who understood this so perfectly well, asked a question in Psalm 42. He says, 
why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed? Why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed? What's bothering you? And so that, that word downcast means despair. It's when words like sad or lonely or emptiness or worthlessness and, and anxiety define who you are. They describe what you're feeling. And eating is difficult for you. Sleep is almost impossible. Confusion prevails in your life and questions abound in your life. And so David was using a word that shepherds would have completely understood. Why are you so downcast? A cast sheep was a sheep that when it became heavy with wool or lamb, what would happen is when they would be walking along, a sheep would be walking along and, and it'd be heavy with lamb or wool and, and then it came time to, to lie down, it would lie down, but what would happen is it would roll over because it was so heavy. And so when it rolled over, you know, obviously it's kicking and, and, and all this and it's flailing in the, in the uh, you know, it's limbs and the air and all this stuff. And, and what's going to happen, this is a dangerous position for a sheep because it's like a turtle. It can't get back up. Try all it can. It, it can't get up on its own. And so it's kicking and it's flailing. And what's happening in just a matter of moments is that gases are beginning to build up. And the limbs will start getting stiff. Yeah, and their limbs will get stiff. Now, this is a dangerous place for sheep to be. In a very dangerous position because obviously the predators that are going to come along and, and the shepherd recognizes one is gone. And so the first thing the shepherd thinks is, wow, my, my sheep, it's gone. And the first thing, I bet it's cast. And, and time is of the essence. I've got to get to my sheep. I'm just going to stay down here <laughs> and, and, and feed. And so it reminds me, it reminds me of Luke chapter 15. <laughs> Luke chapter 15, you remember the story where, where Jesus says, you know, suppose a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them goes wandering off. Will he not leave the 99 sheep and go and search for the one. And when he finds the one, what does he do? He picks it up, puts it on his shoulders, and carries him back to the flock. So when the shepherd finds the sheep, it's probably like this by now, <laughs> what, it, what it does is the shepherd begins to, to massage the limbs because they're stiff and the gases and all that stuff. And he begins to massage and all that and begins to get the blood flowing again. And once the limbs start to limber up a little bit, then he, he'll gently roll the sheep back over and get it uprighted again. But he won't make it, you know, he won't make it go. He won't let it go immediately. What he'll do is he'll put his hands underneath the belly of the sheep. And, and he'll continue to just kind of gently massage the limbs and get the blood circulating. 
And when he, when he senses the sheep is steady, then he'll kind of nudge it along and, and it'll go off. Or like in, in uh, John 15, he'll take the sheep and he'll uh, put it on his shoulders and carry it back to the flock. Isn't that a great picture of what God does for us? There's some of you in this room right now, you're downcast. And, and, and life has lost its meaning. Life has lost its purpose. And life has lost its joy. And there's no vitality. And there's no energy. There's no sense of expectation. And, and you're like David said, you know, why are you so downcast, my soul? Why are you so disturbed within? And then David answers that question. He completes that by saying, put your hope in God. He's talking to himself. Soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed? Put your hope back in God. Put your hope back in God. Where are you today? My guess is some of you in this room, God needs to make you lie down in a green pasture because you're running so hard and, and you're searching so fervently and, and in all the wrong places and he maybe needs to slow you down, make you lie down. And maybe he needs to lead you beside quiet waters and just, just calm your soul just a little bit. My guess is for a lot of you, for a lot of us, he needs to restore your soul because you just feel anxious and you feel worried and maybe even feel distant and You've lost the life. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And he restores my soul. That's because he is Jehovah Shalom, my peace. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head and as we close out today, where are you? What do you need? What are you afraid of? What concerns you? What has you tied up in knots? What has you anxious? Jehovah Shalom is your peace. And you won't find it anywhere else. You can run faster. You can look in other places, but you won't find it. And so my prayer for you today is that for those of you who've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, if today would be the day you would do that. And make Jesus your shepherd, your Savior, and your Lord. Those of you who have made Jesus your shepherd and Lord, maybe you just need restoration. You need new energy. You need fresh life, new vision, new hope. Jehovah Shalom is your peace who can give you that. And so I'm going to ask if you would pray this prayer uh, after me today. I'm going to ask if you would repeat this after me today. Father in heaven. Today, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I need you as my shepherd. I ask you to guide me and to lead me. I place my hands in your life, into your hands. Jesus, I ask you to be my, my Lord and forgive me of my sin. I choose to follow you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.